This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Listen, God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. God is good. He is worthy to be praised. I have some very special guests on tonight, and I'm going to ask these gentlemen to introduce themselves before we really hop into this discussion. Um, I'll go ahead and just kind of go around. So, Randy, you're next on my screen if you want to go ahead and say what's up to folks. Hello, this is uh, Brother Randy here again. I've been on Solid Talk before, and I'm excited for this uh, conversation. Cool. Go ahead, Ray. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Ray. Uh, Thank you for having me here. I'm excited for this conversation, and I hope that people can take away gems from what we have to share. Yeah, my name is Kevin. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, very happy to be a part of this group. Uh, thanks to Randy, but I, I really like. I've I've heard uh, this show twice before, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Man, praise God! I'm glad to have these fellas on. Man, I'm excited about this conversation. I want to go ahead and get right into it. You know, the question that's scrolling at the bottom of the screen says, "What defines manhood today?" That's what we want to answer. But before we even really get too deep into that i want to kind of frame out this conversation a little bit and so what i'm noticing is that there are a whole lot of different examples and definitions and labels of what a man is right on the thumbnail of this particular video you got these concepts like the alpha male the beta male you got the manosphere you i heard of something called passport bros then you got kind of like the, the the outside looking into that will be considered the simps and all of these different type of uh, labels. You know, they got these these incels now. So there's all, any type of thing that a man wants to call himself. It seems like there's an outlet for it. So I want to start with this question that anybody can just kind of hop in there. What is driving all of these um mostly relatively new ideas of what a man is what's actually driving all of these definitions and labels that we see <clears throat> i'm about to call on somebody I, like yeah I can, I can i can i <laughs> can i can jump in there um all right um i read this quote before it said that the way to control the world is through the minds of men um, at the time I read it, I just kind of re- uh, thought of men in terms of just men and women. But um, when this show came up, that quote came back to my mind. I'm thinking like men specifically is, through the minds of men specifically is the way to control the world. <clears throat> and I think um, right now in this world, there is a struggle for power. Um, there's a there's a great struggle for power. And. If you can control the narrative of how people think, how they think of themselves, how they think of other people, um, you can gain a lot of power, right? So if I say, hey, man, that's a beta right there. 
and I'm considered an alpha, well, obviously everyone's going to be wanting to look at the alpha, look like the alpha, dress like the alpha, talk like the alpha, right? And, you know, now I'm just now uh, <clears throat> bringing all the attention to me and I'm taking away the attention from that person over there and maybe I'm controlling the situation. It's, um, I think, you know, I think because people are seeking after power, um, a lot of people are seeking to control the narrative and that's where um, this contest is coming from. Um, adding to that, I want to say that I think a lot of men do lack direction. And so because a lot of us tend to not have a straight, a straight path or a purpose, we go to what we see is making waves or, or making money or, or making volume amongst men. So you'll have people that say that they're alphas and because they have the following and the influence, that's what people are supposed to do. And once we break up people into groups or subgroups like alphas, betas, red pill, uh, incels, things of that nature, it's almost like high school. If you think about it, like you have the cool kids here, you have the nerds here, you have the jocks here, you have the anime kids here. Like it, it's almost like a big high school for adults that hasn't really ended. And adding to that, a lot of men feel as though they have to be this way to either get the money that they want, the women that they want, the clothes that they want, the status overall that they want. Yeah, I want to get back to those to those terms and definitions in a, in a minute, Ray. Were you about to hop in there, Kev? No, no, no. As far as as far as your question, what causes it or what's the cause of it? That's that's something that I don't know. I can't speak on that. Hmm. Yeah, man, because it just seems like like seemingly out of nowhere. And it could just be because we have the Internet, you know what I mean? And people are able to 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 promote ideas faster and wider than they would in other situations. Right. That it's like all of a sudden we just got all of these different labels and terms of of what a man is. Right. And so it's created this environment that we know of. Um, that we know as, which is called the manosphere, right? And just to kind of bring viewers into this discussion, does anyone, anybody want to kind of define what the manosphere is um, and what some of these these terms that we hear in the manosphere are? Um, Brother Ray, I know that, you, that Randy said you're really, you know, versed on this. So do you want to, from your perspective, what is the manosphere? Okay, Um if I were to define it as a whole, it's really just men coming together to share ideas about life, about money, about women, about sex, about what's going on in the world. But today, it seems like a lot of men in that space, they only speak about mainly three topics, which is women, money, and honestly, sex. Like I just put it out there. Um but the topic that I see that they mostly focus on is really women. Because if you notice that a lot of these men that are in these spaces, they'll have certain types of thumbnails. And those thumbnails tend to, you know, bring the people in. And I've noticed that the views are different as well. So you'll see a view, you'll see a video that might say, What's wrong with women today with a thumbnail of a woman and a man arguing? And those views will have thousands, almost millions. But then if you see a video that says, you know, how to increase your, your, your finances or, or how to improve your emotional health, et cetera, they'll be in the low thousands, <clears throat> hundreds. Um, adding to that, like 
the manosphere is is a new term, but it's not really new. Hmm. So you'll have you'll have people like you know Alpha Male Strategies, Fresh and Fit, um, Roller Tomasi, those type of guys. They're birthed out of the older generation who like your Tommy Sotomayor's, your Minister Japs, your advice shows, those type of guys. Like a lot of this information really isn't new. It's just regurgitated with a fresh face. Hmm. Man, you are versed. I knew some of them names, but I ain't know all of them. <laughs> and in a minute, I'm going to ask how we even came across the Manosphere. But were you about to say something, Randy? Oh, no. Cool, cool, cool. Man, yeah, it's like, um, how did how did you guys even come across the quote unquote manosphere? Um, I guess I could hop in again. Um, I came across the manosphere or manosphere talking points in my late teens, twenties. <clears throat> so it was a guy. His name was like his name was Thomas Sotomayor, and he used to go viral a lot on World Star Hip Hop. Um, he used to have a little show out in Atlanta, like a little radio show. They weren't called podcasts. They were called like video something. I don't remember the name back in the day. But he used to say like a lot of the stuff that people are saying now and like people would try to cancel him. And instead of like, you know, him taking his L, he would always come back with a new channel. And a lot of the stuff that he was saying, like I took, it resonated with me. Come like, finally, somebody understands what I'm going through. But then like, when people would attack him on Twitter or Instagram or leak his personal address or try to fight him in person and things of that nature, like to me, it started becoming volatile. And then some of his own followers, they either turn on him or they will send him a lot of stuff that that I call like a confirmation bias, a lot of news clippings, a lot of viral videos, a lot of viral moments. And when once you start going down that rabbit hole of, of of listening to that type of rhetoric, it it questions for me, it questioned my self-esteem as a man, but also questioned, you know, women in general. Like, are all women like this? Do all women behave like that? And <clears throat> it gets very dangerous because you're mixing what you hear online with real life. And I'm gonna end up with that. I don't know if you want to go, Kevin. Oh, you can go. I'll let you go. Okay. Um, uh, how I got started into the Manosphere <clears throat> or how I was introduced to the Manosphere, um, it was actually not too long ago. Um, I think it was about last year. Um, last year, uh, I think I came across Kevin Samuels. Um, whenever I text you about Kevin Samuels, Greg, is when I came across the Manosphere. And, man, when I saw that information, those videos, I was like, whoa. And mind you, my entire life, I thought that I was not interested in conversations about relationship. I thought it was boring. I thought it was like, <laughs> I don't I don't care to hear about this stuff. And I didn't really even consciously realize it was women who were dominating these conversations. So for the first time, I was hearing a man talk about relationship from a perspective that I could connect with. And I, it was just blowing my mind. And then, of course, like a lot of his videos that, you know, entertaining and stuff like that. So there was this there was this period of several months where I was almost like addicted to the content, primarily like Kevin's content. Um, as far as like, you know, the other manosphere, I don't I've heard Tommy. I've heard of the name Tommy Sotomayor, 
Um, and I know he's kind of like an OG in like the YouTube black space, uh, but I never really listened to him. Um, uh, and then, you know, I, I did find some other channels in the manosphere, um, you know, you know, kind of having the same conversation, kind of like you, uh, um, Ray. Um, I think it, it can be redundant. Um, and I think they do kind of primarily focus on, you know, conversations about women. I think that's the most sensational um, topic. Um, but I mean, the other thing is, you know, um, the audience, you know what I mean? Like you said, like the audience are calling, you know, a lot of those videos have the most views. So I think YouTube ultimately is a business. And so, but as far as my journey to the uh, manosphere, it's about a, about a year ago. And primarily I was listening to Kevin Samuels. How about you, Kevin? Yeah. And, you know, before I really get into it, I, I just think it's important to state, like with my background, I grew up as a Christian, um, I had a lot of those values. Um, but I think the reason that I was immersed in it is because I was lost. I would say one, I didn't have a true direction, lack of identity. Um, and then obviously that leads to lack of self-confidence. So I think a lot of the things that these guys pointed out um, in the manosphere are things that would appeal to a lot of people. And obviously normally as people, whatever attracts most people also attracts us. Uh, very rarely is something not attractive to most people. And we find it attractive because normally as human beings, we're attractive to what we're attracted to what other people are attracted to. So I think that's what drew me to it initially and then i was in it for like two three four years hard like every day hours and hours it was bad it was bad um but i, I ultimately to answer your question it's lack of identity um lack of direction or a false direction i should say what is what is the allure now let me because i know we getting kind of deep into this conversation we like 15 minutes in Ultimately, I want to figure out where Christ falls in all of this, because that's what I ultimately want to get to. But I just need to kind of frame out this discussion a little bit just to bring people on the same page, because a lot of the manosphere is a male space. And sometimes, you know, like maybe say a female viewer, they might have heard of it or they might have seen some things. But it's not until you're really into it that you really understand it. You know, I couldn't really tell you exactly when I kind of came across it, but I feel like I've been in it for a while. And like Brother Ray mentioned, Tommy Sotomayor, you know, if he counts as the Manosphere, which I used to listen to him a little bit, but I didn't um, at that time understand that he was like do producing male content. From my perspective, it was just like things that made sense, right? And um, the thing about it, though, is he kind of said some things about Christ that I didn't agree with. He was a very vulgar type guy. And after a while, as I kind of like grew in my faith, it just wasn't, it was like a conflict of interest. So I can't remember what he said exactly. Some about Christ. I was like, all right, that's done. I'm not <laughs> listening to you ever again. But, you know, there, there's an allure. There's an allure that comes with this particular space 
And I hear Kevin, I know you're saying it could be the allure of like um, lack of identity. And even Ray, you made the point that it, and I agree with this, is kind of like high school for adults because there's something fun about it. Like this is fun to, and it's, it's immature as high school for adults, but to learn these terms and these concepts and to see it actually play out in real life right before your eyes sometimes. And and I just want to talk about, and, and also the idea of being in on something, AKA the red pill, right? Um, there's this whole idea of certain um, I, ideologies within the manosphere, like MGTOW, men going their own way. And, you know, maybe to a certain degree, men's right activists, I don't know, pickup artists, all these different types of things. But they have this idea of the red pill. And I want to I want to talk about that a little bit. But before I do, can somebody tell me, as far as the manosphere is concerned, what is the red pill? What does it mean to be a red pilled man, according to them? Um. So from my understanding, the red pill was taken from the movie The Matrix. And it's basically like self-awareness of like female nature, life, those two, those two dynamics, honestly. Um, it's, it's, it's basically like you're in a slumber and all of a sudden somebody presents you with information and it's like a quick aha moment. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to go on this journey of self-awareness and to understand, put in quotes, female nature. But the, the but the downturn of that is like it turns into what we call red pill rage, where it's like you're angry at all women. You may not know the woman. She may not have ever done anything to you. But because she's a woman, it's, oh, these women are X, Y and Z and you don't know her. Oh, these women are players. They're, they're, they're harlots. They're they're horrible. And it's like it, it, it creates this echo chamber amongst certain types of men, I can't say all, certain types of men in that space, where it's like, you can't even have a disagreement with them without them calling you a simp, a beta, a cuck, et cetera, et cetera, right? And my issue with that is, is there's no room for growth. And what a lot of these guys tend to do is they tend to mix certain elements of the Bible, like submission and what a man's role is, into this whole red pill ideology. So they'll tell women, oh, you need to submit and you need to have a husband, but they're not promoting getting married. They're not promoting being a husband. Some guys even go as far as saying, well, if I have a kid, I can just pay for the kid and that's it. And it's like, there's so much hypocrisy within it that you you guys aren't cognizant of what you're saying. Alan. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as the, I think you're too, I think your two question, because you, you asked about what was so alluring about it. And I was thinking about that. And then you asked about uh, what is the, the red pill? I think for me, those two questions kind of intertwine together. Um, I think like one way of you can describe like red pill has to be with, you know, like you talk about the reference to the matrix is coming out of the uh, the matrix, coming out of the conventional school of thought. And I think <clears throat> I think men speaking about relationship is not mainstream. And part of that is what alerted me to it, because it's like this is something that you don't usually hear. Um, you don't even in not even just in media, 
in everyday life, in everyday life, um, in everyday life, in my everyday life, I saw women like older women in my family not get like criticized. I saw um, I saw them do things that were wrong and it kind of got swept under the brush, uh, under the rug. So I, I, I noticed a lot of things growing up and I was like, it, it doesn't seem like women get the same type of accountability or criticism as as men do so i i've always noticed that and i was like you know that's kind of strange but it's almost as if it's um taboo to criticize mothers or aunties you know what i'm saying um even like it, it's almost like taboo to criticize like a preacher in your church right these people hold like this sacred position that um society upholds them that you know any criticism against them it, it, it's it, it's makes it seem like you know that person is wrong um so like that part because it was outside of the main mainstream like i'm a type of person like um you know i i will naturally gravitate to anything outside of the mainstream if you're saying something that you're not supposed to be saying i i tend to kind of root for you you know what i'm saying because I, I see the way how the system works. <clears throat> the system wants to promote its own, the people who are in like the echo chambers, the people who are saying the quote unquote, the right things. Um, they put those people on the platforms and a big platform. So ultimately what you have is just a platform of puppets, just speaking the things that they're supposed to be saying, basically robots. And when I see people, whether they're right or wrong, just kind of genuinely expressing themselves, I tend to want to give that a listen and I want to say, OK, what what is what is good here? What is this person saying? You know what I'm saying? Because ultimately, I feel like that's a real conversation. Yeah, man, I think that there's something um, exclusive or something that feels exclusive about being in on something like a red pill. Right. You know, you're not mainstream. You're not with the prevailing thought. You're actually thinking for yourself, you're not a sheep or however you want to phrase it. And I, I, I was really thinking about the idea of the red pill leading up to this conversation. And I was just thinking about how the red pill is not only in the space of the manosphere, but the red pill is actually in a whole lot of different other arenas and avenues. So you got all these different people who have all these different ideas of what a red pill is, whether they refer to it as a red pill or not. But I was thinking to myself, you know, what is the commonality? You know, because just like some guys in the manosphere, the, the red pill might be the true female nature of women. You know, for a woman, the red pill might be the, the, the evilness of the patriarchy. Or for a, you know, just as an example, a white guy, the red pill might be, um, you know, black, the, the, the whatever's going on with black people. Or if it's a black person, the red, the red pill might be the white man is the devil. And so, and these are all just examples, but when I was really thinking about just this idea of, um, you know, coming upon this exclusive knowledge and, 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 and feeling the need to have a red pill, I really, and y'all can tell me whether y'all agree with this or not, I feel like a commonality in red pill discussions, the common thread seems to be victimhood. You know what I mean? Either victimhood or just this idea that somebody lied to me or something is not right 
and now I have the true information, which I guess is the the the, the basis of the red pill. But then it's like once you process this, and I guess it's going to what Brother Ray was saying about red pill rage, right? Then you discover like, hey, uh, everything that I knew beforehand was just false. And so like Randy was saying, the narrative before this, the manosphere kind of took off, the narrative was extremely skewed the other direction. Like if you heard anybody in mainstream talk about men, Oftentimes it was negative, especially like black men. Sometimes it's like oftentimes negative. There is no no accountability that's being that's being held or very little accountability that we see held for women and stuff like that. And so it, it does kind of bring you into this space of like, OK, it, it has the potential to make a man feel like I'm living in a, a gyno. I forget the term, a gyno, gynocracy or gynocentricity, something like that. Gynocentric. Thank you, Kevin. Gynocentric, basically to where um, this society I'm in specifically caters to to women, meaning as a straight man, I'm I'm the odd man out. <laughs> so um, do y'all agree that there's like a certain um, that that this can breed victimhood? Um, uh, Greg, I want to throw one thing in there as an example of red pill. Um it could be from the like the religious spiritual uh sector of things right so like new ageism is a type of like coming into a higher consciousness oh we've you know we've been suppressed by so many years by these fundamentalist christian teachings you know now we are awakened to like you know these higher consciousness new teachings so like you talk about victimhood i also think there's a lot of pride that comes with this idea that you're entering into a higher consciousness. You're, you're, oh, you know, those thoughts that you have are traditionalist and archaic. You know, this is a new, this is a new era. This, these are new thoughts. Most definitely, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, just this idea, the pride that it can breed. Um, just this idea that, um, you know something is against you brother ray you mentioned this idea of like a a, a a simp or beta what what is that so the term simp there is a um acronym it stands for i'll give the the clean version basically so i cracked i i stated that a simp is someone initiating mediocre play simp and a cuck is basically a man that's willing to be used by his woman for another man pretty much it, it, it's a sexual term so a lot of a lot of men they tend to throw these terms out if you agree with the woman the first thing they'll say is oh you're a simp oh you're a beta oh you're a cuck etc right and i've i've realized that i've said it too I'm not going to say here say I haven't, but I've realized that a lot of guys, like, I agree that the red pill awakening is important for men, right? I'm not going to say it's not, but what I don't agree is with the fact that a lot of men tend to use that as a way to demean other men and other women. I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with how they use the Bible when it comes to submission to twist it, to make it seem like every woman has to be this way. Um, 
I do agree that there are there should be spaces that men should be able to come and talk together and reason together and even disagree together. But I do think that a lot of men, because they a lot of this stuff happens because a lot of us were hurt by a woman. And so we look for information that validates why we've been hurt or the outside exteriors that happen. So when men come together in these spaces, it's not product, it's usually not productive conversation. It's more like Greg said, complaints, victimhood, right? There's no solution. There's no real solution. It's these women have to change. Men, you're doing a good job. It's basically the reverse, if you think about it. Because when women are told that they're they're great and that they're there's nothing wrong with them, et cetera, et cetera, it makes us feel like, okay, we're the scapegoat for everything wrong. But then when you do in the reverse, these women are wrong. You're this, you're that. She's a scapegoat and we're the victims in everything. We're the, we're the, we're the little lambs and they're the wolves pretty much. So let me ask you this, right? Do you think because it's a common defense of people who are against red pill guys that you only feel this way because some woman hurt you or you had a bad relationship with your mother? Mm-hmm. Is that the case or could it just be that whoever is saying what they're saying it's just facts, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> to a certain degree, I could see that. But is it is it always based off of a response that somebody is having to what some female did in their life? I think it's a combination of both. But when you talk to these guys, the outlier is always a woman, whether they're mothers, whether they're girlfriends, wives, it's whoever. It's it's it, the underlying factor is usually a woman behind it, but. After a while, then it's okay. This is the truth, but I have to give pushback to certain things. For one thing, though, because I have noticed that there are a lot of women coming into this space, which is very dangerous. And I'm only saying it's very dangerous because a lot of women will come into this space and basically parrot Kevin Samuels, Tommy Sotomayor, all these guys. But then when they're tested, their true nature, their true nature, I'm going to use nature in this case, comes out. And they are the same women that you speak against. So I would advise that if guys are listening to, you know, women coming into these spaces and even men coming into these spaces, that we have to vet these people properly. Like, is the information that they're saying, is it being repeated by somebody else or is it like true, you know, fact-based, statistical-based information that has solutions at the end? Go ahead, Randy. Um, man, that's a lot. Uh, as far as, you know, the things that were just talked about, um, I do think it's interesting because I think when we say that, you know, um, the people who are speaking, they're only saying these things because they've been hurt. Um, I think people can say that in a way to kind of dismiss them and the things that, you know, they're, that they're saying, um, but when Ray said that the outlier is always a woman, um, I would have to agree. Um, I think, and then um, Ray said something interesting about how, you know, he he believes that the red pill awakening is it's necessary. I think what it is, is that um, when we grow up, you know, as little boys and little girls, <clears throat> um, we kind of have a naivete approach to each other, right? Um, you know, 
you like a girl, maybe she likes you or she doesn't like you. It's kind of, I think what happens is when, by the time that, you know, girls are getting older, I think on an average, most American women are probably having sex by, you know, 16, 17 or something like that. I think they start getting tutored in how to take advantage or to make relationship advantageous towards them and the men as well but not in a real serious way you know what i mean um they're kind of toying with sex and i think what happens is uh i think for a long time um women have been kind of militant in their approach in you know showing their victimhood and how they can be taken advantage of in society. And I think that has kind of shaped our culture where a lot of things kind of lean towards women and talk in terms of like the family courts and stuff like that. And also in terms of media representations, um, I think there's a type of when we talk about red pill awakening, I think men um, go from being little boys to, to men to start to realize like, you know, um, maybe their expectations of what they are looking for in a woman um, is not like reality. I think we probably get a lot of our images of relationship, not from real relationship with television and stuff like that. Um, we're not really uh, told how to become a man. And so, but at the same time, uh, men are involved in relationship, having sex and stuff like that. And I think there is like that disappointment, that hurt where they feel like their expectations are not met. Um, and it's probably vice versa with the female as well. Um, but I think, um, I think also because feminism has been such a strong doctrine in our culture and our society for such a long time, I think, for the most part, a lot of men have um, underestimated feminism in terms of um, maybe they view feminism as just a thing speaking about equality, but not really understanding the true spirit behind that ideology that is actually um, really there's there's a hatred for men there. There's a hatred for men 100 for sure in, a, in feminism. Uh, there's a hatred for like the spiritual power or the, the God-given power that a man has. Um, and, and so I think there people start to open up their eyes and see, hey, wait a second. Um, a lot of these women aren't necessarily for me. And I think that's what men are open, finally opening up their eyes to see. Um, I'll give a little bit of a like a, a backstory with me, because even though I just recently came into the content that's called Manosphere content, I feel like I've been I've been Manosphere the whole way or red pill the whole way because my older brother, um, when I was about 15 or 16 years old, he I, I was interested in this girl and I was asking his advice. And the one thing that he told me was. Um, whatever you do, just make sure you're, you, you be yourself. And I just kind of took that to heart and I started to just kind of apply that. And I started to realize that when I was around certain girls, it was hard for me to just be myself. I wanted to just impress them. There was this urge to put on this different person so that I can impress this person. And I was like, man, I need to resist that. 
I just I need to be myself in this situation. And then I started finding that when I was just like myself, um, you know, a lot of my beliefs, you know, don't seem to align with a lot of the people that I was interested in. Right. So. Um, so, for example, I had determined in my heart that I wasn't going to have sex um, before marriage. And once I put that on the table, I noticed that um, a lot of women would lose interest in me. And the way that I started to kind of open up my eyes to like what it is, why that was so important to them, I started to really kind of pick up on that sex, um, even though like it could be pleasurable for both sexes. I think sex for a lot of women is leverage and it's weaponized. You can even see it in a broader society, right? There's no reason to be using a woman dressed in a bikini to sell a beer, but because that gets your attention, right? And I'm all, that gets your attention. And so that way you can, they utilize sex. They show you sex. I heard somebody say that the, probably the most powerful image in the world is um, the female body, the female shape. And I would kind of tend to agree with that. So I started to, you know, you know, 19, 20 years old, I started to open up my eyes and see how much sex is used commercially and also in relationship to get the man to do the things that he wouldn't otherwise be doing. And for me, that was my awakening. You know what I mean? Just this idea of holding on to um, this purity that I wanted for myself. And as I was holding on to it, I started to realize that there were forces that was, you know, that didn't agree with it. And they were suddenly trying to bring me in a different direction. So for me, um, um, I, I started to pick up that there was like a level of, um, a dynamic of a power struggle with men and women in society. And I think that's what the red pill awakening is. I think men are not naturally look at other, look at women as opposition. Men typically would look at other men as their competition, I think. But what's been taking place is women are becoming men's competition and men are finally realizing, wait a second, you know what I mean? She's not necessarily on my side. She's kind of fighting against me. And I think that's what the red pill uh, manosphere is like the awakening. Man, you know, what's wild about this whole discussion so far is it's like the whole uh, manosphere, red pill, alpha male, beta male, simp type thing. It's like so much of the definition of manhood is centered around women as though are we it, it almost makes you ask the question are we even able to define our manhood outside of the realm of women you know what i mean um man we like 40 minutes in i, I need to get some christ in here this is a christian channel and i'm coming to you kevin because i know you mentioned that you grew up in the church and stuff like that if jesus christ were here today would he be considered an alpha male or beta male Oh, beta I know that's a tough question. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but no, go ahead, Kevin. Beta for sure. Beta you for beta sure. for sure. Okay, hundred percent. Um, so obvious. Well, there's plenty. There's plenty of stories, um, in the Bible, particularly about Jesus, and I think, um, one of the things, and I'm reading about 
Paul and Jesus right now is they had it, it's actually I take that back. There's a mixture. They do some of both. They do. They have alpha and beta male tendencies. So one of the alpha that I really like about Paul and Jesus is those guys didn't care whether you hated them or not. They were going to speak the truth. They were willing to die. They were willing to get whipped and they don't care if you liked them or not. And that's one of the most dominant traits that women are attracted to actually. Um, so I would say that was the alpha part is that it, it didn't matter who, who they were up against. They were willing to speak the truth. I remember Paul, I was reading a verse yesterday and a prof, a prophet told Paul, um, he took his belt and he bonded his arms and his legs. And he's like, so will the man whose belt this belongs to, um, he will be delivered to the Gentiles from the Jews, something like that. And then they were pleading with Paul, like, don't go. You're going to get hurt. Like, just stay here. Paul said, no, I'm going like whatever it is to please the Lord. I'm going to do it willing to risk his life. So that was the alpha part I'd say for Paul and Jesus. As far as the beta part, I would say that there wasn't, there wasn't some smooth talk. Like when they talk to girls, you know what I mean? There wasn't like they, they weren't going to do game or they weren't going to, run around with girls and do, do things like that. Um, and they did treat everyone with respect, the lowly, the high, like one of the things that I heard Andrew Tate say in a interview with Pat Drake, Pat, uh, Patrick, but David, he was like, I don't hang around with people who can't get women. And I don't hang around who, with people who don't make millions of dollars. And, um, that's man, and I, I guess that, and a lot of people look up to this guy. So, and I know Paul and Jesus, like they, they just weren't, they weren't about that. Like, that's not what it was for them. They didn't have some economic priority. You know what I mean? Paul was a, Paul was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a man who said, I have given my, I have not treasured gold and silver. I've given my belongings I've only taken what I need and given my belongings to everyone else. So that part, they were not going around living lavishly. Um, so it's a mix of both. It's a mix of both. Uh, you on mute, Randy. Go ahead. Hey, I want to give you a little bit of pushback, uh, Kevin, um, because it's interesting. Your two examples were Paul and and and, and Jesus. And Greg had uh, originally, before he switched to, you know, trying to, you know, incorporate this into like, you know, Christians and, and all, which I think all this is related to Christ. I think even the stuff that we were talking about before is all, it's all related. It all comes together. But um, to be, to be naming specifically, you know, biblical persons and stuff like that and scriptures. Um, I think Greg said that uh, we, define, we define, we define, we, we define oh. a man based on, you know, women and i think it's interesting that i think it's very important how man treats a woman that has a lot to do with who he is um but jesus and paul were two individuals who were determined not to get married they were totally um given unto the lord in terms of they weren't going to get married um 
And so their focus was 100% the kingdom of God. And it's interesting that Paul taught in, I believe, his first Corinthians. Uh, I was just reading this. I, I forget where, but it's about marriage. And he says, it's it's better that you all would be like me. It's better for a man not to touch a woman. And he says that the man who is married, the man who's involved with a woman, um, he's going to he's going to have to be concerned about the things of this world. Um, there's just no way around it. You're going to have to be concerned about maybe it was OK for Paul to be a tent maker when he was single. But if he had a wife and three children, maybe that tent making just wasn't going to be able to cut it. You know what I mean? Maybe it was OK for Jesus to have no place to rest his head. But if he had to take care of a wife, he probably wouldn't be a, he probably wouldn't be able to do do that. So there's there's a reason why God God called certain people to celibacy because the ministry that was on their lives it really couldn't um, take the demands and the responsibility of take care of a woman and children in this in his life. But so those two examples are are interesting because we have to talk about because the majority of men are going to want to live with women and probably are not being called to be celibate that that wouldn't make any sense right so um a lot of us it has to do with how can we manage the family our wife in those situations and i think that tells a lot about a man and there's an interesting question that greg asked um you know we're judging we're basing all this the man's manhood and his status based on a woman. And I'm like, why not? You know what I mean? I think, I think, I think it's important because nobody is going to test you in this world like a woman. Nobody is going to test you in this world like a woman. I mean, Samson had, he could conquer all his enemies, but it took a woman to trick him, you know, um, Adam was in the garden for however long before Eve showed up. But when she showed up and he knew that the serpent was lying, the scripture says, yet when he was hearing her voice and she was making this appeal, he went ahead and followed along. He hearkened unto the voice of his wife, the scripture says. So I think uh, it shows a lot about a man, his ability to be able to um, say no to a woman, his ability to be able to guide a woman, his ability to be able to agree with a woman, how a man is able to navigate um, a woman um, tells a lot about him, his heart towards the Lord. And it, it, it really tells a, a great deal. Hold on. I got a, I got a question. I got to go back to that. So are you saying Jesus would be an alpha? Oh, I mean, listen, I wouldn't even put Jesus in a category of an alpha. You know what I'm saying? But I'm I, saying by our by our um, measures. To be honest with you, like uh, I don't buy into the alpha beta, but by I would say this. If Jesus went amongst the alphas, he would not be accepted. But if Jesus went amongst the beta, he would not be accepted. He he there is he came to his own, but his own received them not. He came to his own, but his own received him not. He came to the ones who should have understood him the most. He didn't go to the Gentiles who would have had no idea who he was. He came to the ones who would understand him the most, but they couldn't receive him. Um, 
Jesus could not be categorized in this world. And I think that's how all um, spirit born Christians should be. It should be no, hard. by our perception, by our perception. Let me let me say this real quick, too. I, so when I asked the question, would Jesus be an alpha male or a beta male? That question can be perce- perceived two ways. It can be, would Jesus be either an alpha male or beta male or would Jesus be an alpha male or beta male, meaning that perhaps he wouldn't fit into any of these categories or any of these labels. Right. So, I mean, and and, and that's not to say you can interpret it or answer it. However, we want to answer it. You know, I think one of the reasons uh, why I understand your answer, Kevin, is because of the compassion that Jesus had, because it actually see the see the thing about yes. The, the the like a red pill man and the alphas and stuff 100%. like that. It's a very logic driven school of thought, right? So the the idea is I'm not going to give any of my resources to this woman if if like say just say like um, just for an example, like say one thing that's really big in the manosphere is like single moms, right? So a guy will say, logically speaking, um, I'm not going to take on another man's kids. And I'm not going to finance another kid who's going to live under my roof. And then at the same time, not even, yeah. not even respect me as a father, right? Because I'm not their biological father. So there's a, a an extreme level of compassion that it would take, or, or you can call it simp, simping, right? <laughs> but that it would take to for a man to do that. Right. I'm not even sure I could do it because I'm so like logical. Right. But what Jesus did was he said, man, uh, the Bible says this. God commended his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ basically endured a painful death for people that at that time, didn't even love him back, didn't even appreciate him back, right? And so from that perspective, like the perspective of compassion, you know, I can understand why you would say, you know, like like definitely beta, but I would probably say, uh, you know, Jesus, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? So it's like, he can be. That's why I said both. Be, yeah, he can be the guy who walks in the room. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like we all looking yeah. at him. Like hundred percent. It's almost like the 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 humility that he chose to display. Right. He humbled himself and put on flesh. He chose to do yes. that. It wasn't anything in in uh, like uh, mm-hmm. intrinsically weak about him. Any mm-hmm. type of what we would call weakness was solely based on the fact that he was like, I'm choosing to do this. I could destroy the entire planet, the 100%. entire world and start over, but I'm choosing to do it. And so for us as like men or just even women sometimes perceiving a man, right? We can perceive a man as as alpha or beta, quote unquote. And sometimes we maybe get it right but there may be other times where it's like, look, that guy's just choosing 
to make this decision. But if he really wanted to take it there, like he could take it there. Hey, I, I do want to kind of in defense of the manosphere. Um, I don't think um, the manosphere, at least the times that I've heard it, the term beta, I don't know if it refers to um, a person showing compassion. Um, I don't know if you would, I, I don't know if they would say, of course, there's so many different voices in the manosphere. There's not just this That's one, thing. you know, this one thing. But uh, I don't think they would say um, because this person is showing compassion that automatically makes them a beta. Um, I think beta kind of refers to people who um, I really don't know what a beta is. I think I, I, I know what a simp is. I think what a simp is, is a person who does things that he doesn't necessarily even believe himself, but he does it to please a woman. Like, like that pandering spirit that you see amongst politicians, right? Mm-hmm. He's like a chameleon. He he He's one way with this group of people. And that's the type of thing that this loyalty that all men dislike, right? That that chameleon spirit, that kind of wimpy spirit where um, when he's in the presence of something, um, he yields and bend at their at their will. He doesn't have a backbone. Um, I don't know if a beta and a simp are the same thing. I think I think a beta has to do with a person's personality and their kind of. Actually, you might be right. Actually, I think I agree with that. With their, you know. Um, I think I think beta has to do with like type A, type B personality, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the interesting thing about the idea of simps, right? It, to me, there are intentional simps and then there are like um, naive simps. And for a lot of stuff that I would call simping right today, it's like you'll find a lot of simping when you're, you know, mostly younger men. They are genuine simps. You know what I mean? It's like they, you know, you just you you got a crush on a girl and you in high school or something like that. Like and, and you had good advice from your brother, Randy. He just told you to be yourself. But I didn't have any older brothers. So it's like a lot of times a guy, you're just going to do what you see on TV and you'll probably be like a genuine simp, like bending over backwards to get the approval of this woman. But I think the the worst type of people, <laughs> I hate to say it that way, are uh, malicious simps. Because malicious simps, like you said, they know what they're saying is complete garbage. But at the same time, they say it anyway, because they, they want an expected outcome. Usually they want women. And then oftentimes they want money. Because being an intentional simp, like a lot of these relationship coaches, the ones that um, don't really talk to men, but they talk to the women, there's huge money in that. And then there's also, on the flip side, huge money in the manosphere, huge money in things like MGTOW, because the intentional simp is telling women uh, everything they want to hear. And then the guy that's talking to men about women believe it or not even though these guys might kind of like believe it most a lot of times their motivation can get to the place of there's a lot of money in me telling these guys something that they 
want to hear or something that they believe is true. If I can show them that this is true and give them that confirmation bias, like Brother Ray was saying earlier, then it's like, okay, now there's a whole lot of change, a whole lot of money in that. Because to be honest with you, nobody else cares that much about anybody else's relationship. <laughs> like if you had a relationship, it's like, boom, you know, let me take care of mine. But nobody is that invested unless there's a motivation behind it. So I do think that like intentional simps that that uh, appeal to women maliciously are trash people. I hate to say it that way, but I just kind of feel that way. Go ahead, Ray. Oh, no, I wanted to add to that. Um, you had mentioned intentional simps and one intentional simp that I could think of that actually got exposed last year was Derek Jackson. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so... A lot of us guys were telling women that used to listen to this man, he's not being honest, right? Like a lot of stuff that he's saying he doesn't live by. And so said, so done. And he's still making money off of that. But I want to go even further and say that there's not only money, but there's also like book deals, there's radio shows, there's TV shows, et cetera. Like there's- That's there's money a lot too, of, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's all included. It, there, there's a lot of like- attention on it but i will say though that i think that this might be a stretch but i do think that a lot of men are being sims to each other and i'm only saying that because if you notice with with certain algorithms like they'll only say things that will you know bring the super chats and bring the money in etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you speak something that's real or something that's against what you've said previously Everybody turns on you. Oh, you've changed. Oh, you're pandering to, to women. Oh, we supported you and now look at you. You know what I mean? Like, 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 I think that because people are so engrossed and ingrained with a lot of this information that's coming out, that because a lot of people want the money from this stuff, that they're not going to change. And the sad part about it is that this is going to mm -hmm. affect a lot of men more trying to get relationships because there was an article that came out about the rise of the lonely single man and you know people challenged that but i i looked into it and i read it and i was like you know what this makes sense because a lot of guys you don't hear them talking about like emotional health or like how to connect with other men or how to even you know decompress from the world it's more like make money go to the gym don't be fat have the baddest woman and that's it. Like that, that's the four underliers. And to me, it's kind of just like it's doing us a disservice because when you watch stuff like Fresh and Fit, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but Walter and Myron are two completely different people, right? Myron, who is the guy fit, uh, the one with the bad hairline, whatever. Um, he's he's very, very stoic, he's very disciplined, he's very um logical in his words. And very minimal. If you look at Walter, fresh, he's the guy that's like, he likes to party all the time. He doesn't really like to engage in anything outside of relationships and sex. Um, he's always talking about spending money and making money. And he's always dressed like a rapper. And it's like you have two different people who are supposedly a part of the same sphere showing you two different messages. And to a guy like me, it's kind of just like it's night and day. So I'm making all this money just to dress like a rapper to attract the women that I don't really want in the long run just to come back to doing the same thing again. 
And a lot of these guys, they have these confirmation biases where they bring certain types of women. And a lot of guys aren't cognizant of it. They bring the OnlyFans type of women. They bring the ratchet type of women. They bring the sex workers. They bring the, the women that are a video vixen, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have these real conversations with actual real women who are going to challenge them on their points. And when a woman does challenge her on the points, the first thing is, oh, she's misbehaving. Let's Frank Castle her, which means to kick her off the show. And a lot of guys like this type of stuff because it 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 shows that like okay a man is showing authority over a woman and a lot of guys got to really take into consideration that like yo these guys are only showing us one lifestyle Miami lifestyle doesn't apply to Texas or New York or Ohio etc cetera, etc cetera. doesn't apply everywhere and these guys like i think what a lot of guys really need to start doing is really digging deep into what these guys are saying right because like I said earlier, the rabbit hole goes deep. Man, I got so much to say. We might have to do a part two on this, but I'm a, I got like two two questions before we kind of wrap it up a little bit because I think Kevin got to hop off in about 15 yeah, minutes. I actually wanted to mention, because I'm going to hop off after this, but I want to go back to uh, Randy's point when he had, because he mentioned a good point that I hadn't thought about before, but he had mentioned... Uh, how with Paul and Jesus, they were single. So they could, they didn't need uh, careers that involved making in tons of income. So Randy, I wanted to ask you, so as far as that conversation that we were on, so what, what was your conclusion from that? As far as um, the simp, the beta, the alpha, how, how did that intertwine? Um, repeat the question again. So when you had mentioned that, like I had mentioned that uh, part of the reason that Jesus and Paul would not be considered alpha, alpha in a right. sense is because they didn't, they lacked the ac uh, economical part, the financial part. Okay. And then you brought a point that said, but they were single. What right. if they had a woman? Right. So does that mean that you're saying the financial part doesn't have anything to do with being an alpha? Um, I mean, like I said, uh, I, I only said that Paul and Peter, the two examples that you brought up, um, Paul and Jesus, uh, Paul and Jesus, um, they didn't have families. So that kind of changed the dynamics of, um, you know, their earthly responsibilities. They didn't have as much. They could focus primarily on spreading the gospel. Um, as far as the alpha, I don't look at a person because they make a lot of money and I'll say, oh, well, that's the man to be, mm -hmm. alpha, whatever you want to call it. I don't subscribe to alpha or beta. However, I know what people are trying to say. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I know what people are trying to say. Um, I, I, the alpha is your, your, your man, um, whether he's Christian or not, with kind of like those natural masculine instincts. Mm -hmm. that's, that's your alpha. Whereas the beta is kind of the um, individual who's kind of been um, kind of compressed or made and molded and shaped by society. And he's a little bit more mild. You know what I mean? He's a little bit more controlled. I think that's what they're saying. Um, the okay. Makes um, sense. The, but does the financial aspect has to in, in their world in the man in terms of manosphere, manosphere. Yeah, I don't think you can be poor and be an alpha. You have to be 
kind of the type of person who's about getting the bag. But at the same time, like, because we're talking about Jesus and Paul, and we're talking about spiritual mm -hmm. men. We're talking about spiritual right. men here. And I don't think those people would even be accepted amongst the alphas or the betas mm -hmm. because like they would do things that the betas would be upset about and they would I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. And okay. that kind of gets into the to, to what was going to be my last question. It might be we'll see. And but, I, I gotta go guys. Hey Greg, if you do something like this um again, I'd like to be a part of it if there's a part two. Um yeah man it was really good though to be here but I gotta go now. Most definitely. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So let me ask my second and last question before I ask the last question. So you mentioned Derek Jackson, Ray, and how men were telling or warning women, this dude is not sincere, right? He's playing you. He's, he's running game. Why is it that men are able to perceive that and women are not? Um, well, I think it's because Derek Jackson is was honestly a sex symbol to a lot of women. He was tall. He was dark. He was built. He was saying all the right things. A lot of women were honestly attracted to, to him. Um, I remember even looking at some of the comments from some of his videos and like a lot of the comments were women really like being really attracted to him, like throwing themselves, you know, at him. And I think that's the tendency for a, a lot of um, women. Like there's another guy with dreads, his name is Stefan Lavoisier. Um, and I actually met up with him earlier this year and he was telling us as a group, Randy isn't the standard, he'll know what I'm talking about. Um, he was actually telling us that a lot of women tend to throw themselves at these type of men because they're single, they're attractive, they dress nice, they're saying all the right things, and they don't have any attachments. So as a man, if you have those things and you're appealing to women, women all over the country are just going to throw themselves at you. It's kind of the same thing in reverse. Like if a woman is telling a man everything that he wants to hear, of course men are going to throw themselves at her because she's saying all the right things. He's saying all the right things. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, I think I think that he's saying all the right things is the key thing. I think um, I think in a broader scheme or like the bigger picture, I think women are not able to convince men. Um, women are not necessarily able to talk to men and convince men. Um, as well as another man um, talking about relationship, if you know what I mean. I think, uh, like I said earlier, like, you know, when I used to hear it before, prior to Kevin Samuels, when I used to hear about relationships and it was all this like this female dominant conversation, I just toned out of it. I just wanted nothing to do with it. I wasn't interested. I didn't even think I was interested in hearing about relationship because it was just all these female talking points. And I think, um, a woman naturally knows that if she has a man as her mouthpiece, she's going to get further with men. And I think women build up these men like the Jacksons, even the Steve Harvey's um, people like that, that we would consider simps um, 
to be their mouthpiece to other men. And that's their way of influencing other men. Instead of coming along and saying the things that they want to say, they let these guys speak for them. I think that's why these guys are popular. That is, those are two very interesting takes. Um, I agree with both, actually. I do believe that um, Brother Ray is on to something because I've never seen an, an unattractive female relationship coach or relationship guru. I think there's a heavy uh, level of lust that um, these women have toward a lot of these men. Because, look, I can get on here and say the same thing they say, and I ain't going to get the type of, you know what I'm saying, I ain't going to get that type of uh, traction that they got. So it's not only about what they're saying. I think that it's like the type of man, the combination of the type of man that they idolize or lust over combined with him telling me something that sounds good. Like, I don't even care what the dude is saying, just... I just want to hear it and it sounds good come from him and he's easy on the eyes. So I think it's, it's like both of those things working at the same time. Um, but I just find it fascinating that in life, it seems like where women are deficient in discernment and see, this is the other thing too. You, you gotta, you gotta want to be able to discern because some of, some of the, you know, a lot of guys are warn these women and they kind of have to be women. So they got to pretend like, you know, they're so integral and stuff like that, but they probably don't even care. A lot of them. It's just like, he's telling me what I want to hear. I want to hear it. He looks good. End of story. Right. So do, is there actually genuine integrity when it comes to these conversations? Um, oftentimes with these relationship gurus is not. So it's like, um, do you want to be discerning? You know what I mean? Like, I, so I'm trying to lose belly fat. And what I find myself doing is I will Google how to lose belly fat. Every time I Google it, I pretty much get the same result. I already know how to lose it. <laughs> but what's happening is because I don't know if it's cognitive dissonance or denial or just because I don't want to accept the reality I'm going to keep fishing for some sort of easy way out. I'm going to fish. Okay. Is there a pill I can take? Is it, you know, can I, can I hack my metabolism? I got all these different, you know, ideas instead of just eating right, being active and working out. Right. And I think what a lot of these relationship gurus provide, most of which are intentional simps is they provide a, 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 an answer to a problem but it's not a genuine answer like say what you want about um certain parts of the manosphere like let's just say kevin samuels say what you want about him but his uh diagnosis and sometimes his solutions because sometimes he didn't offer any solutions if i'm being honest but sometimes people didn't give him a lot to work with but his his overall diagnosis and solution um, was way more accurate than what a woman would get from a, a relationship guru like a Derek Jackson or some of these other guys that I consider intentional simps. So, so I just think they don't want to uh, know the truth. They rather believe a lie because the lie is more comfortable. 
the lie doesn't challenge. Um, the lie is, 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 is easier. It's like honey, right? Um, so I want to do two things. I want to ask you guys one final question, and then I want to take and see if there are any questions that we have in the comments. I don't see a lot of questions. I see some comments. We'll try to go through those real quick. The final question I want to ask is, as a follower of Christ, as a man who's a follower of Christ, where should we place ourselves as it relates to this conversation about manhood, the manosphere? Where do we fit in if we fit in at all? Can can or even here's another way to think about it. Can can you can you coexist as a Christian male and at the same time a manosphere guy? or even a simp, however you want to answer it. Um, so I'll, I'll take this uh, first. Um, so when I listen to like the Manosphere, um, a lot of these guys' problems, um, or the solution, I would say, right, to a lot of problems uh, that people are facing, um, it's kind of staring them right in the face. Um, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, I made a determination in my heart not to have sex before marriage. A lot of men's problem is because they're having sex with these women. That's that's it. I mean, like, <clears throat> um, I think you shared with me that kind of uh, that video with I, what's his name? Um, one of the guys that I guess would be considered a sim uh, Gaskin, Tony Gaskin. Right. And his his point was that, you know. Uh, was 70% of the times that uh, a man and woman have intercourse, the woman is not uh, releasing, right? So I feel like if you're taking a woman there and you're, you're taking advantage of her body, you're using her body and you're, you're not committed to her, well, you're going to, you should expect some bad things to come. You should expect some bitterness to develop, some resentment to develop in that relationship. There's no way around it. Um, I think um, the, the solution for a lot of men is right there in, in front of them is basically, you know, focus, focus on God, you know, focus on God, find God, pursue God, um, let him work in you. Um, life is not about chasing women. It's just not. That's not the purpose of life. Um, you will find a wife. You know, you will find a wife. But pursue the make the first thing the first thing. Pursue God, and the problem is men want to have their 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 cake and eat it too. That's really the 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 big thing. Um, so, like the thing is, I sympathize with the manosphere. I sympathize with men saying there there are not um, women with wifely characteristics in this world. I get it. I, I understand that. I sympathize that. And for that reason, um, I'm always going to have an ear to listen to it just because um, it's like, these are people who are sharing my experiences more so than women are. I wouldn't really, you know what I mean? I wouldn't really, I don't really gravitate to women speakers on relationship. Also because um, I don't really feel like a lot of like I was talking about prior to Kevin Samuels. I don't feel like a lot of those conversations were even genuine. It was always the man's the bad guy, yada, 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 yada. Um, now, 
like Ray said earlier, the same thing kind of happened in, in the manosphere where men are not taking accountability. But ultimately, it's like people don't want to live according to the word of God. And you're always going to have problems if you don't live according to the word of God. There's no way around it. Um, can a man like that's the world that we live in, whether or not you're online listening to that content, um, you're you're going to encounter people with those perspective, whether it be uh, simping, um, manosphere talking points. Uh, it's very interesting. A young man at my job the other day, this is what he was saying, his perspective on relationship. He was like, yeah, man, you get a cougar and you know, you just have sex really good with her. She's going to make sure that you got money, a place to stay. I said, ho, oh, oh, man, listen, you're wrong. You're wrong. And he's like, why am I wrong? You know, that was his perspective. So like, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to, um, it's 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 good to you know what I mean talk about these things. It's it's good to talk about these things, you know what I mean? Um it's good to, you know, men to come to kind of get together and share their experiences and it gives at least the opportunity to be able to correct somebody uh, and tell them something different. So I think you can you know, I think you can be in the world and not of the world. Um, I definitely do agree with Randy. Um, I do think that we can be in the world, but not of the world. But my take might be just a little different. I do think that as Christians, as believers, we have to be very careful. We have to have the, the discerning spirit. I believe Paul called it the discerning spirit, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Because a lot of these guys, they will use elements of the Bible to, to twist their narrative. And it's very important that a lot of guys take that and, and be have sharp listening skills, right? Because a lot of these guys in these spaces, a lot of men don't realize it, but they're disrespecting you without telling you. So they'll say things like, oh, you have to be a high value man. You have to be able to make this amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. But what type of men are supporting these high value men? The average man, right? The nine to fivers, the, the, the low-level entrepreneurs, not really low-level, but in this case, low-level, right? The, the, the average earners, right? You'll hear these guys say, oh, you need to make a million dollars a year and have this lavish lifestyle and have all these these harem of women, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, for what reason? I only need one woman. One man, one woman, they come together and have a family. A lot of these guys, they promote, um, honestly, prostitution, I'm just going to be very honest with you. Like the, the passport bros, they, 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 they're saying that they're going overseas to find wives, et cetera, but you've never really seen them with a wife, maybe one or two, the outliers, but most of them, you don't see them having wives. You don't see them having children. They'll say stuff like, yeah, I paid this girl $5 and that's more money over there than over here. And it's like, to me, as, as a man listening to these things, like it's very, very concerning because these guys aren't really being honest with their lifestyle. They're not being forthright. They're encouraging you in things that really you should have no inklings to do. And on top of that, they just want money from you. They're no different from the women content creators that take money from men. You'll see these guys super chatting $50, $100, et cetera, et cetera. And these guys are just repeating what you're saying and saying, oh, thank you for the super chats and all this other stuff. And as Christians, we, sh we should support each other. But if it's going to be a detriment to somebody else, don't support it. And I'll end. 
Well, you about hey, to say something, Randy? Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I just want to kind of share this uh, <laughs> this story that uh, me and Ray, uh, there was this guy, right? There's this guy. He was having. He was talking these like manosphere talking points, right? And one of the things that he said was, uh, he said that, uh, fellas, another thing about this space, right? This space is producing a lot of teachers. You know what I mean? A lot of people are kind of you know running with these talking points, and they want to quote unquote help other men, and they don't know what they're talking about, right? And so he's like, you know, you know, one thing is make sure your woman, you know, loves you more than you love her. And I said, hey, man, by the way, also, this guy, he proposed to be a Christian. Right. So I said, hey, man, um, is that biblical? It, what you just said, is that biblical? He's like, well, we don't we don't really have to get into the biblical, you know, the biblical thing. And I was like, well, it's not biblical because the Bible says that husbands, you ought to love, love your wife. And it says that the wife ought to respect and, and reverence the husband. And it says, it does, there's no commandment necessarily for the wife to, to love the husband. And, you know, this guy, uh, he, he struggled, he tussled, he fought every which way to try to make it that the woman should love the husband more than the husband loves the wife. Um, so he was fighting Ray, he was fighting myself, and then he was just he was just butchering all these scriptures trying to make it work. And ultimately he landed on um well, it should be equal. Because God says, you know, uh love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, if you're loving God and she's loving God, you guys should love each other equally. And that also is not biblical. Um, you know, and I, I believe the biblical stance is for the man to love the wife more than she loves him. The scripture says not because uh, we loved him because he loved us first. Um, and the the love of Christ, if 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 the man is supposed to represent Christ and the woman is supposed to represent the church, it's obvious that the love is initiated with the man. And the man is actually teaching the woman how to love. Um, and, and, and we have to be leaders in that sense as well. And so that's, I think, when you talked about simping earlier, I think naturally that is our inclination to show the initiative to a woman and to, you know, in however we express that, that comes off as simping. But I don't think it becomes simping um, until you start to undermine your own value system in order to please this person. That's where I go with this, like this whole this language really doesn't work with me because it's like I'm comfortable being who I am and expressing my feelings. Um, and I know when to draw the line. And that's the thing with every every guy. We have to learn how to draw the line and have boundaries in our relationship, whether it's man or woman. And so, yeah, man, um, that's what I wanted to say. I do want to say one more thing, though, just before we wrap up. Um Somebody had mentioned Tony Gaskins earlier, and me personally, I, I don't think he's a simp. I think he's a genuinely honest man because he comes from a place of he used to do everything that's going on with men and women now, and he's just relating his experiences. I do think that sometimes a lot of men, what we do is we'll watch a little clip of something and say, oh, he's a simp because of X, Y, and Z, and not go through the whole context to understand why. So when you mentioned the part about um, him saying that 70% of women 
don't orgasm. That was a conversation between him and Anthony O'Neill. And I watch a lot of his commentary. Yes, he does cater to women, but he has something that's called, uh, uh, I think it's called Manly Fridays or something. Man to Man Fridays, that's what it's called, where he's speaking directly to men like how we're talking to each other now. And he's basically saying that like, hey, you know, we have to get our act together. Like our communities are bad, our, our marriages are bad, our relationships are bad, how we relate to each other is bad. And I think those type of people are important because they're basically saying that they recognize what's going on and they recognize that us as men, young or old, we all have our issues and that he's gone through the fire. He's married now with kids. He's successful. He's a multimillionaire and he's creating, you know, what a lot of high value men say value to other people whether it be through life coaching sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions, whether it be through videos, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those type of guys are important to not only us as men, but to us as a community, because both sides, men and women are saying that there is a problem and it's not just a small problem. It is a big problem that's going on from generation to generation. We can't just put it all on one side. Both sides have to come together. But like Randy had mentioned with, the conversation we've had with that young man a couple of weeks ago, the man has to put in a lot because a lot is required out of us. So I land. Hey, hey, one more thing. Hey, we can talk about Kevin Gaskin. I, I did watch the entire video that uh, I was sent. Um, and, you know, we, we can talk about it. We can talk about it later. But I will say this to your point. Uh, I think it's very dangerous for a man to build an audience primarily of women because I, I did go into uh, Stefan Speaks um, meeting and I could feel like his heart to actually give an honest critique of both sides and be as balanced as possible. And as soon as he tried to say anything that was a little bit complimentary towards the men or a little bit critical of the women, you can you can see the tension in the audience which are primarily women. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in those guys' shoes. I mean, it's very, very difficult to stay stand there in front of a crowd of women or an audience of women and really kind of give them the real. I think um, it takes it takes somebody special to be able to do that. So I I I feel like they're in a tricky position. Um, but we can talk about um, Tony Gaskin. I, I did only watch one video, and I think I think he was. I, I don't think he was consistent um in, in those videos but I, i'll i'll point those out to you at another time yeah man uh along the same lines you know i think i actually sent that video to randy because a woman sent it to me and um i i have not watched a lot of tony gaskins um but i did watch that interview in full and i had seen clips of him before and it's like sometimes my spidey senses get the tingling, you know what I mean? But it's like, Brother Ray, you seem to watch him more than me, you know what I mean? But in that in the particular interview that I did watch in full, I think between him and the other guy, it seemed like they apologized to women a good like 10 or 15 times. And the interview was only like like 20 to 30 minutes. And so when when I hear something like that, a lot of the stuff they say, and the same thing with the manosphere, like MGTOW and stuff, a lot of stuff they saying is facts or factual, right? But it's like, what is the spirit behind it? 
you know, there was a woman that was following the apostles around in the book of Acts. And she was saying, these are holy men of God. These are the men of God. But after a few days, Paul got tired of, uh, well, I think it was Paul got tired of her and was able to discern that spirit. And then he kind of cast that spirit out of her. And, and, you know, that was the end of that situation. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hold back a little bit, you know what I mean? For now. And maybe I'll need to watch him a little bit more, but just to kind of, get on the question of what, you know, how can a, can a, can a Christian male coexist with this manosphere and these, some of these male ideologies that are coming out today? Uh, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with the whole manosphere, the MGTOW and all that. And, and, and I, I, I be ODing off them red pills sometimes, you know what I mean? Because, Quite frankly, it's just entertaining. You know, it's entertaining, and it, it, it's almost like a like a like a train wreck. You know, like a car crash. You can't really not look at it when you go past it. And so, if you see somebody like a Kevin Samuels, and and you know he has the guest that he has on, and it's like, you know, they're just saying the most ridiculous thing ever, and you're trying to figure out how can you even ration this in your mind. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to not pay attention to. But what I had to do is step back a little bit and, um, you know, think about my anecdotal experience. Because, you know, if I show somebody, let's just let's just use black black men as an example. All three of us are black men. There's enough news articles. Uh, there are enough. Uh, and I'm saying like true, true news articles, enough true incidents, enough people that we've come across, even in real life. I can go outside and probably find you about three or four of them in my neighborhood that you can formulate a negative opinion about black men. Right. They're they're violent. They're dogs, whatever it is. But I'm talking to you, Ray. I'm talking to you, Randy. You know, other black men I've had on this, you know, on this uh, broadcast uh, black men I grew up with. So I know that they're not all that way. And I know like MGTOW has a term for this, not all women are like that. Sure, there are um, certain consistencies amongst male and female nature just because of how we're built. You know, we are creatures, we are designed. But at the same time, I had to really think about my life. Like, okay, I can watch this this montage of the how ruined and unruly the average uh, woman is today, mostly because of feminism and a sexual revolution and men's participation in those things. I can look at that and I can walk around and, and develop some red pill rage. But the women that I actually dated, how many of them were like that? You know, the women that I'm friends with, how many of them are like that? And even if they have one or two of the little, the little traits of qualities, you know, does that mean that they're completely, um, you know, encourageable? You know what I mean? They can they can work on all of us have issues. Right. So I say all of this to say. Um, it's is is very important not to get so invested in these ideologies and conversations that it begins to take away our definition of manhood and also womanhood 
from how God designed it in the Bible compared to, you know, what people are trying to define it as today. And that's just kind of my take on it. Um, yeah. So you guys can hop in, but otherwise I'm going to get to just a few comments because we're already at 732. So I don't want to be too long. I'm just going to go to the ones at the very bottom. Were you about to say something, Randy? Yeah. Um, you know, last time we had a conversation about, you know, why there are more women in the church. And I think um, a lot of the reason why um, men are not in the church is a lot of the things that they're seeking. Um, it, they they find it in the manosphere. Like even like I, I noticed a lot of the manosphere, are, they kind of have a religious tone. Like you talked about, um, Ray, that they use kind of some religious language and stuff like that. I think the guy even uh, one of Kevin's uh, kind of talking not the talking points but one of the things that he would play during his broadcast would be like i rebuke i rebuke it's kind of funny little clip um and then i think minister jab kind of talks like he's he's speaking to a, a congregation or whatever his name is even minister jab um so i think a lot of the things that people are not finding in the church um that kind of rod of correction um and the thing is, the church is also like this in, in in some sense. You know, what I mean, there's a split within the church of like you know holding Christians accountable to the standards of Christianity versus you know giving them grace. You know what I mean? So that kind of dynamic is also in the church as well. And because people are not able to find that, a lot of people are seeking um, to find this type of judgment and this type of um, criticism or critical teaching. Um, elsewhere, um, I think it kind of points to the failure of the church to be able to correct um, the ideology um, that. And, and then also one of the things is I know a lot of people say it's not all women or it's not all men. I think um, when you're when we're talking about when they're talking about I understand where the manosphere is coming from when they're talking about women, they're talking about the messaging that is speaking to women. You know, of course, you're going to find, you know, not everybody takes in this messaging, but they're the broader society and the messaging that's giving that's being given to women is not to be a submissive wife. It's not to be, um, you know, a, a, a traditional woman. So that's that's where that's where it's at. Uh, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, though, Greg. For sure, man. Let's just get to just some comments. I'm all the way at the bottom, so I apologize for that, family. It's a lot of chat going on here, so I'm going to try to get through these really quickly. Um, man, let's just read a few. Sister Marcia says, the Bible never mentioned how many children King Solomon had. I'm, uh, Oh, how many children King Solomon had. I'm starting to believe some of these brothers are from the bloodline. I'm specifically speaking about men who can't have one woman. That's interesting. Uh, Ashkenazi says, I dated very rich men when I was young, and they were all miserable. No heart, no soul, meaningless. Later learned Mason's stepfather arranged me to meet, date them. Interesting. Let Can me I say this real quick. Oh, go, go ahead, Ray. Can you pull up that comment for a second? Yes. So I've noticed that a lot of women today have this sugar baby mentality, right? Where they're encouraging other women to date, marry, procreate with high profile, high value, high, a very successful rich men. And I think a lot of guys 
from my understanding, from what I'm hearing, are kind of going with that same mindset. Whereas you become very rich, you become very successful, and you date all these women or date these type of women. You give them Birkin bags, you give them money, you give, you let them drive your car, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that a lot of a lot of some of the stuff from the manosphere, as much as they say that they're against something, they're some of the biggest simp's out there. <laughs> and I'll end with that. I'll end with that. For sure. Let me say this too um, about the end game. One of the things that the man the manosphere teaches, and whether it be true or not, is that if a man the man will always have the leverage and the man will always win in the end if he has focus on himself and if he develops himself as a man. So basically, as men, we have the luxury to be like Ashkenazi said, say if we grow up to be old rich men or older rich men, um, that we can always just go and get a young woman, which technically is true. Uh, the question is, is there substance in that? Um, according to what she's saying, they were all miserable, no heart, no soul, meaningless. And I think sometimes these ideas that are being sold to men or just being sold as the end game are not true. Um, a guy can exist as an older guy and just, you know, I'm going to be a sugar daddy and, and, you know, I maybe I'll even have some kids by somebody if I feel like it. We do, to a certain degree, have that luxury of not having a biological clock, um, even though I'm getting to an age where I, I, th I think a man can have a bit of a biological clock. But that's another discussion. You know, these gray hairs on my face that I had to shave off. But um, at the same time, uh, feminism taught women that there was an expected end game that they could have, hey, you can be liberate, you can be free, you can be liberated, you can be modern, and you just live your best life. You be on birthday behavior, you just do whatever you want to do, you run through the men, there'll be some guy waiting for you at the finish line, right? Um, when you feel like it, right? <laughs> and a lot of women bit that fruit um, that was presented to them and now our generation is really just starting to see the lie of the end game. A lot of these women are lonely. A lot of them are on antidepressants. Uh, I think, uh, you know, women's happiness is the lower, lowest that it's ever been in recorded history. Uh, antidepressants are up higher than they've pretty much ever been. You know, folks are getting plants and dogs to substitute families. And it's just a messy situation for men and women. And, and men, we bought, we, we who have uh, taken advantage of the ideas of feminism, basically fornication, you know what I mean? Uh, that was our hand in it, too. So we bit the fruit as well, even if we didn't really believe in like you know, a lot of the other ideas, if we kind of took the part to say, okay, all oh, y'all just going to have sex and I ain't got to marry you and your father ain't going to come to me with a shotgun. Cool. That works for me. The guys are also dealing with the, the consequences of that lie because 
now we have ran through so many of the women and they become ruined that when a guy does want to get serious or maybe it's a guy who's always been serious, he doesn't have as much to choose from. Because it's like a kid in the candy store. We didn't ate up all the candy. Now somebody, you know, anyway, y'all get it. So I say that to say a lot of times these ideas can be short sighted and they'll give you the promise of a better future or long term. But it's not really guaranteed. Um, you know, uh Guys are really, really told that, you know, a guy like Kevin Samuels, man, he put on his suit. You know what I mean? He he was sharp. He was dapper and uh, living his best life. You know what I mean? And what was he happy? Was he genuine? I, I really don't know. Probably he seemed like it, but that's probably not the case for every guy. With, with, with Kevin, I would say that he multiple times he expressed that uh, if he could you know, do everything all over again, he would be with his first wife, um, the mother of his child. You know, Greg, Go Greg, ahead, as you were speaking, I thought about something, right? I thought about um, how Eve was deceived by the serpent and how she was told that she was going to live longer, she would look better, et cetera, et cetera. And the end result was that they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. You had mentioned about happiness and how it's decreased, I mean, yeah, decreased, and how people have been on antidepressants. You know, COVID kind of proved that, where we had to stay in the homes, you know, had lockdowns, couldn't go out, couldn't socialize, and, you know, the suicide rates went up around that time. I mean, they're still high now, but they went up, people were lonely, they were depressed, and to add to that, um, I, I work in the healthcare field, and I speak to a lot of nurses, and they say that the highest, um, the highest, the group that has are the loneliest are a lot of single men in the hospitals, like older men in the hospitals. You know who they ran through women, and they don't have a relationship with their with their children or families, et cetera, et cetera. And when they get older, they have nobody to visit them, no one to comfort them, no one to you know remind them of the past and to lift their spirits up. So when you had mentioned about the end result of of this idea of the sexual revolution that's happening now. It's it's destruction. Single, you have single mothers. You have people on antidepressants, and there's no sense of like urgency or family. So, the lie that you have mentioned that we've all bought is that we can do what we want until the day we die, but it doesn't work that way. Kind of like sin, we can do what we want until the day we die, but we won't make it until into heaven. So that's kind of the correlation that I kind of got to it. Guys, I'm going to do an audible real quick. And instead of going to the comments, I'm actually going to ask one last discussion question. When it comes to men choosing women today, does a man have to have a certain level of grace in choosing a woman and how much grace should he have? And I'm asking this question because most women, not all, have bought into the lie of feminism, whether that be through, uh, you know, just being promiscuous or just, you know, having kids by some dude that they're not with, married to, or um, 
you know, uh, this whole career woman, boss chick type thing, whatever. All of these different ideas. Right. And then you just mentioned, Ray, we're going through an epidemic of loneliness. Right. So a lot of these women are going to get to the place where they're going to decide, hey, I don't want to be I don't want to have hot girl summers for the rest of my life. You know, maybe I want sub something substantive or maybe a woman or a guy, uh, you know, gives their life to Christ and Christ cleans them up, you know, but maybe she got a tattoo, a, a pookie on her shoulder from when she was out in the world. You know, how much grace should we have? Like personally, I, and, and tell me, is this ego and, or pride or is it just being a man? Like, I don't want to date a woman who has another dude's name tatted on her. You know, that's just me, you know, but just not even that example. But talk to me about what type of grace a man should have if he wants to be with a woman today. I'll take that first. Um, this is so a lot of this conversation just kind of mirrors the scripture. And that's why I talked about how like the church is going through this crisis of what is grace. And I think when we look at the Bible, um, how grace is dispensed by Christ, um, there are conditions. You have to go to the cross. You have to be repentant. You have to humble yourself. And the scripture even says, God, um, um, he gives more grace to the humble, I believe, is the the other half of the scripture, the first half I'm forgetting. But he gives more grace to the humble. He resists the prideful and gives grace to the humble. Amen. And so so I think based on the humility of the woman that you're dealing with, grace will if you love God and you've received forgiveness and grace from God, grace will come out of you based on the the level of humility of the person that you're dealing with. Um, so that's where I take, take issue, just kind of going back to Kevin Gaskin, not Kevin Gaskin, but Tony Gaskin, um, uh, a little bit. One of the things that he was, uh, refusing to say was that women need men. He kept this, this, this narrative that we want, we want women that the, the women would say, and I believe women are saying this in their pride, or oh, we, we don't need men. We just want y'all. And so I believe that you can't really have a genuine conversation with neither one of the sexes unless you're willing to admit that both needs both need the other. It can't be a real conversation. And so that's where I come from. There is a level of um, arrogance and pride that women in this society have towards men that they're not going to submit to their God given authority that man has, um, that they're not going to, you know, be quote unquote slaves for men and all these different ideas of how uh, I would say they've been brainwashed. But I would say me personally, um, when it comes to picking a wife, I'm going to look at, is this a humble woman? And um, if she is humble, um, I cannot deny grace because my savior gave me grace no matter what I did, because I was able to when I was humble and I knelt before his feet and I repented. So I think that's how grace works. Um, adding to that, um, I do think that when it comes to choosing someone as a life partner, I do think that a lot of men have to first humble themselves and strip away the pride and the ego of what they want in a woman, not 
character wise, but some aspects of physicality, right? I'm not saying that you should go get the most ugliest woman, et cetera, but don't expect women to, you know, look like video vixens 24 seven. Don't expect women to not have an idea of what they think femininity is because women are feminine without us, right? Um, I do think that a lot of guys first have to be realistic with their expectations and say, hey, um, I want a wife, but I don't want someone that's going to be argumentative. I don't want someone who's going to make me emasculate me or demean me, especially in front of children. I don't want someone who isn't willing to, you know, work with me. Right. I think a lot of guys have this perception of submission where it's I'm above you. So you have to do what I say. And a lot of guys tend to forget that in the same scriptures that husbands submit themselves to their wives as well. So there's an equal amount of submission. Um, I do think that a lot of guys tend to have an echo chamber amongst ourselves when it comes to women about what they should do, how they should look, how they should act, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's a detriment because we don't have real conversations with actual women, you know, women who are who are basically on the same lines of their regular everyday women. But we have like we look at what we see and think that that's what all women are like. And that's unfair. Um I do think that a lot of women have to, like Randy said, you know, humble themselves and, and show humility and say, hey, like, I need you as a man. Like, I don't. Yes. You know, we could say, oh, I, I, I want you, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I, I need you. Like, you are who I want to be with. Right. And a lot of women tend to have an ego where it's like, well, I don't need nobody. I've done it all by myself. OK, but what are your results? You're alone. You know, you're scared. You know, um, Anything that you want physically or whatever to be done, you have to do it by yourself. You're tired. And it's like we have this constant battle and it's this constant battle of the sexes where no one's winning. There's no winner. They're just losers. Everybody's always arguing. And if you make a point, somebody got to make another point. If you make a point, somebody got to make another point. It's always this whole tit for tat thing where people will trade stats, stories, information, ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And what, it's, it's a hamster wheel of, of, of bitterness. So I think that, you know, conversations like these amongst brothers where we're expressing and we're sharing ideas and even in the comment section, I can't see the comment section, but even in the comment section where there are actual women, you know, saying their opinions and, you know, being validated and, and us listening to that and saying, OK, maybe I need to restructure or reframe my mindset. You know, I think that's the start. Man, good stuff, man. On that note, I'm going to go ahead and wind it down, fellas, because we we coming up on two hours, man. But God is good. I enjoyed this conversation. You know what I mean? I, I, I've been thinking about having these talking points for some time, but I'm trying not to get uh, get in trouble. <laughs> so I had to bring I had to bring some backup, you know, so I thank you, Ray and Randy and Kevin, who had to hop off uh, earlier. I thank you guys for um, having this conversation. Anybody have any last points before we uh, close out? Hey, I like the note that uh, Ray ended on, man. I think that was strong. Yeah, most definitely. Well, listen, I thank y'all, fellas. I thank y'all, everybody who tuned in for hanging out with us. Um, my bad for not being able to get to more comments. I'm going to have to go back and check out these comments at another time. And we might have to run it back and do a round two. But um, I think it's just good to kind of get these ideas out and have these conversations so that's all I have in this solid talk family. Hopefully 
you gained something from this conversation. You all take care and be blessed. Culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest And show each other respect I keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge Wisdom understanding just like you done went to college Devil know we working His goal is to try to stop it Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it Controversial topics Just to keep it honest Truth hit hard just like it's a blunt object Culture living Godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya. Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya. Let's walk and get the best of ya. I'm trying to tell you, bruh. Only around the shell, we say we're trying to get the rest Speaking of ya. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases Speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check in from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus gonna Keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty No I can't handle me Not where I wanna be But best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit Main event and slambery So I need them every day This daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron So I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here But guarantee the link in heaven The born again and righteous Are the ones he's gonna let in Let's keep the faith And be amongst the saints When they step in